Well, today we're going to continue our fall series called Come and Go. And this series really is meant to get us back to the basics and the, pers- the purpose of why we're here on this earth. And I think that there's a lot of distractions going on around us right now. Anybody uh, see any distractions on the TV or the debate or, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I, I tuned in for a little bit for the presidential debate and I'm convinced I got the show Grumpy Old Men instead. Anybody agree with that? It's just like, (laughs) I know that's funny. I don't care who you are, but there's a lot of distraction uh, out there for us to dive into and to get in the weeds on. Uh, And you know, it's not that it's not important. It's not that we shouldn't uh, know what's going on, but I want to make sure that we as a church keep our eyes fixed on God's kingdom and not all the kingdoms of this world. I want to make sure that we don't get caught up in all the the circulation of stuff happening around us because that's what was going on in Jesus' day. The disciples were completely entrenched in the politics of the day. They were entrenched in what the Romans were doing and and what the Pharisees were doing and what Israel was supposed to have happen to them. And, And Jesus came and every time they asked me, he said, hey, I came for a different kingdom, a different purpose. And all that's going to work itself out and that's important. But I want you to fix your eyes on my kingdom and be about the eternal kingdom, not this momentary kingdom. And so that's really the point of this series, get our eyes on the things of God, on the kingdom of God. And, and like I said, I think that all this stuff that's going on around us, it exposes some things, it, it exposes what we're made of, and it reveals this, where do I stand as a disciple of Jesus? That's really the question that we're going to bring up every single week that we want you guys to be able to look at of where do I stand as a disciple of Jesus? So far, we've talked about the week number one, the two calls of a disciple, and it's really simple. And it, and it seems like it's the beginning of every gospel and the end of every gospel. It's come follow me and I will make you fishers of men and then go make disciples. Come follow me, go. And then in the middle of that, if you see that Jesus makes his call, come follow me. And then he does a few test runs and missions trips where he sends out, sends out the disciples. He says, all right, go, go and lay hands on the sick so that they'll be healed. Preach the good news of the gospel that the Messiah is here. And then they came back and they're all excited and, and they're having their little rally cry and Jesus taught him some more. And then he'd send them on again on another missions trip. And then at the end, he says, Hey, I'm going to take off now and I'm going to give you the Holy spirit. And you're going to be empowered to be able to go now and to make disciples. And I just believe that that, that has not changed where, where Jesus asked us to come and follow him. And then he asked us to go and make disciples. And that's the, the simplicity of the gospel. So today as disciples, We're going to talk about being committed to live a life of integrity, to be able to live this life of integrity. And first off, I'd like to start off by defining the word integrity. And the first definition, I think, is what we're probably what we think of when we hear integrity. And it's the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles or moral uprightness. And then this last definition is the one that got me. This is the one I spent more time just chewing on of. And it was it was the one that kind of jumped off at me of the significance of what I want to talk more about. The state of being whole and undivided. The state of being whole and undivided. Integrity. So let me ask you a question here this morning, church. Do you think we're capable on our own strength to make ourselves whole and undivided and morally upright and moral, uh, morally principled? Do you think that we're in our own strength able to do that? 
Well, look at you guys. Man, hey, that makes me feel really good. Hey, we are doing really well around here. The answer is no, isn't it? Because the reason that Jesus came was to do this for us. And if we can do this on our own strength, there's really no need to, for Jesus to be able to come and make us whole and make us moral upright and, and to make us uh, undivided so that we can be uh, after him, our whole soul, mind, body, and spirit. But there's a self-righteous integrity that is easy to fall into. It's a trap. And you might, you might recognize it by the word religion. See, the Pharisees, they, they boasted about how much integrity they have. They would brag about how, well, how much they knew the Torah and the scriptures. They would, they would uh, have this display for the public to show their holiness and their purity. And, and they were really proud that they were able to have this wholeness and this integrity and this pureness on their own strength. And they elevated themselves above all other people and made everyone else feel like you guys are just a bunch of peons that you can't get it together. But look at us. We are so, uh, we have, we are so moral. We have so much integrity. But this is what Jesus said about them and their integrity. And you have to know that nobody had the audacity really to go up against the Pharisees. And you might have felt that before when you've, maybe you've been around somebody that is just, you see them as really religious and, and they're, they're, they're always seems to be doing the right thing. And, and you, you kind of have this timidity to want to go up against them because they're, they're, probably, they're probably right and, and you're wrong. And so Jesus comes on the scene and he comes right at these Pharisees and right at the, the religious leaders. And that's what he said in Matthew 23, 27. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites. Just imagine that. I mean, just, just imagine, like, just so even if maybe this would help of you coming up to and saying that to me after service. What sorrow awaits you, Pastor Kevin, you hypocrite. Right? I mean, that would, that, that would be pretty bold on your point, right? And, and uh, I, I hope that I'd be a humble guy at that point because I don't know if my response would be all that good. So that's where we're at here. Jesus comes up to these religious leaders and like calls them out. You hypocrites. And then he said this, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. <laughs> he told them they stunk. Dead people's bones, you hang out in the graves. Yeah, that's, that's a stinky smell. So he's saying, you look good on the outside. You, you guys do all your public prayers and you do all these religious rituals and everyone thinks that you're really holy and pure, but I know what's really going on inside and in your heart and it's filled with impurity. Outward, you look like righteous people, but inward, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. I say all this because I think all of us are tempted to do this. I think all of us are tempted to put on a better appearance than what's really there. I don't think any of us want to be seen as impure and lawless and, uh, and, and having hypocrisy. I don't think that's what any of us aim for. And so if we're not letting Jesus come in and do that, the temptation is, is to be able to put on this good game. And it's sad because I think that Christianity has a reputation of this. I know I've talked to so many people, I'm sure you guys have too, where there's like, you know, Christians are hypocrites. They, they, you know, I knew this guy, he said he was a Christian and he acted like he, all, all righteous and all good and everything else. But guess what I found out about him? 
You guys ever run across that story before? That, that person that was resistant towards the gospel and Jesus? And it's because of this. Sadly, Christianity has this reputation of acting righteous and religious, but having hidden impurity, hypocrisy, and lawlessness. And here's, here's the truth of it. And what the Bible says is that there is a truth behind us having this. In Romans 3.23, let's actually read this one together. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. In other words, all of us have this lawlessness, this impurity, this, uh, the, the tomb, so the, the dead man's bones of what Jesus said, all of us, or, or, yeah, what Jesus said to the Pharisees, all of us have this, the brokenness. None of us are whole. Uh, all of us have hypocrisy, a little white lie here, a, a little lust there, a little hidden sin over in that corner of our heart, a, a little skimming off of the money from our workplace, a, a, little, a little twisting of the truth a little bit so we can put ourselves in a better light. I know I, I have that. I know that I've fallen into that. All have sinned, the Bible says. And the Apostle Paul said these little sin, these little sins, they're actually a really big deal because they spread. And that's, we, we, we have a tendency to want to minimize sin, don't we? Well, it's not that big a deal. It was just a, it just a little, little, little lie. Uh, that was, I mean, I was just trying to help them. So I, it just, I just twisted it a little bit. But, but the, the Apostle Paul gives us warning that sin actually is a really big deal because it spreads. In 1 Corinthians 5, 6, he says, Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? In the darkness of hiding, church, sin grows. Darkness eats integrity for lunch. Integrity has no chance in the darkness. We have no, no chance of, of being whole and having holiness when there's darkness. And without Jesus, none of us have any integrity. None of us can be whole on our own strength. We all become like the Pharisees on our own attempts. And this is what this is why what Jesus did is so amazing, church. Listen to this in Romans 3.24. So again, Romans 3.23, it says that all have sinned. And, it, and a lot of times we stop at that verse and it's pretty depressing. Oh, what's, oh I'm going to live the rest of my life. And oh, okay, I got to deal with it. I'm sin, sinful. And we kind of end in this hopeless situation. But we have to read the next verse. The next verse is our way out. The next verse is the beauty of the scriptures. And Romans 3.24 says, yet God, say yet God. Yeah. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right. They're made whole, having integrity and holiness with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life and shed his blood. He is the only way to wholeness and integrity. It's Jesus. He's the only one. Jesus is the only one who can transform us from the inside out. See, religion tries to transform us from the outside in. But Jesus said, no, 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 I'm going to do it the other way. I'm going to transform your heart. I'm going to come into your heart. I'm going to remove the, the impurities and the lawlessness. I'm going to remove it as far as the east is from the west by my blood. And you're going to be transformed into a new creation. And therefore, externally, you're going to be bright, shining lights. 
You won't have to fake it. You won't have to pretend because it's just going to flow out of you when you give me access to your heart, when you give me access to every room in your heart, every place in your mind, body, soul, and spirit, when, when Jesus gets it all, and when you give him permission to go into every area of your life, he comes in with his cleansing power, removes your sin as far as east from the west, makes you a new creation, and you don't have to wear yourself out trying to be religious and holy. It just comes off of you. It's just a byproduct of a transformed heart. Only Jesus can do it. See, we cannot go and be people who spread integrity in the workplace, in schools, in home, if we don't first come to Jesus and receive this internal wholeness, this integrity. If, if I get upset about what's going on in the world around me, but yet I have it, that very thing in me, that's a bit hypocritical, isn't it? Let me make it even more personal what's going on around us. I, a lot of times, can get upset with the hatred that I see in our world. But when I let God examine my heart, I realize I have pockets of hatred in me. The very thing that I'm condemning the world for and mad that the world is how they're acting lives inside of me. And the only way for me to have integrity is to be able to say, God, you know that those things that I'm really mad at the world for right now? Well, it's in me. And I need you. I can't remove this on my own. I need you to come in and remove every pocket of hatred in me so that I have nothing to do with this world and the sin of this world and so that I can be a bright, shining light and show them the way to love, to have the love of God pour in my heart that, to, that he removes the hatred, that pocket that is now pure in the sense of no more hatred. God wants to fill that place with love so now that I have an impact on the world around me where I'm countering the hatred with love but it's not my own made up love. It's a love of God that has poured into me that has removed that hatred. You guys follow me here this morning. If I want to get upset at the things that I see in the world, that's fine, but it better not be in me because I can't now go and make a difference and see transformation happen when the very things that I'm mad at live inside of me. So here's the things that we must do in order to live a life of integrity, have this integrity be who we are and come inside of us. And here it is, the first one, come to Jesus and surrender. And what I mean by that, church, is that there'd be no area off limits. No area. I will not protect or save broken areas, but I'm going to give them to Jesus. I'm going to give every area of my life to him. And I just love how C.S. Lewis talks about this in his book, Mere Christianity. He says, you know, a lot of times when we ask God to come into our life, we are thinking that he's going to come and do a remodel job. He's not interested in a remodel. He wants the whole thing cleared out for him to be able to set the chief cornerstone, which is him, and to build a brand new creation, a brand new person, a new being. He's not trying to make the old thing work. He's wanting to remove the old thing and make a new thing. Amen? And that's what it means to surrender, saying, God, I'm going to surrender, but I still want it this way. And I want that room to look like this. And I want this area to still look like that. He says, no, 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 full surrender, which says, all right, my life is yours. You can clear the old, bulldoze it down and build anew what you want, God. That's what surrender is all about. And that's what God is after, a complete and full surrender. In Romans 12, 1, we've been reading this one and it so fits to this. It says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all that he has done for you. 
to surrender yourself, to surrender all your brokenness. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And this is what I feel is happening even on Sunday morning. I feel that there's a, there's a pureness to our worship. And the pureness is, is I feel this surrender that's happening with us, church. I sense it from you, that you guys are going to a deeper level of surrender with Jesus. And it's creating a pure worship, a more surrendered worship. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. There it is. God wants to transform you. He doesn't want to just make a little tweaks and adjustments. He wants to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If you come to Jesus and surrender your life to him, I promise you, he will transform you into a new person. He will make you whole and complete, lacking nothing. You'll be known as men and women of integrity. I promise you, because that's what the Bible says. Here's the next part, how we receive this integrity, and that is live your lives in the light. Live your lives in the light. Again, integrity is destroyed in the hiding. In the hiding, sin continues to fester and grow, and it breaks us down into more brokenness. This coming to the light, it starts with God, church. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. The wholeness starts there. Now, I'm going to just confess with you that there's been times. Uh, let, me, let me back up. The wholeness starts there, but there's another step. Before I get to that another step, I just want to say that I, I, there's been times where I'm like, I just wish it was that step alone. Like, God, I'm good. We, you, we know about this. You know about it. I know about it. I confessed it. But there's another step that goes in telling others about it. And so many times I have been like, all right, God, like, please, I've been making bargains with him. You ever do that? Like, God, if you will just let me tell you and nobody else, I pretty, 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 pretty please, I will serve you forever and I'll scrub every toilet in my house for the rest of my life. You know, like you're just, you're digging deep trying to make some bargains. And I've done that too. Where, where the, the, the fear of letting it go to another layer of the light, like what James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. When you go to God and confess your sin, he forgives you always. There's always forgiveness. But the healing is designed when you bring it to the light with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Whether it be just a, a couple of them that are well-trusted or like what you saw last week, church. What you saw last week was so powerful. A whole family getting baptized. Can we just make some noise again for that, what happened last week? It was amazing. And I was talking to Ashley here this morning and I asked for her permission. I said, you know, this is just, uh, I, as soon as you started reading and sharing what you've been going through and confessing really to the church, I felt just the presence of God fall on us in a powerful way. You, you put to light your life. And they were saying that uh, they've been three months or three weeks sober now, right? Come on, let's make some noise here this morning. I'm just talking about how they had such a good week. And I said, oh, I, this was just a conversation before church. And I said, oh, can I, do you mind if I say that? That's so powerful because it's what the Bible says. 
That when we, when we confess to God, he forgives us. When we confess to people, we're healed and we're made whole. And I know why it's so hard because I deal with it too. You hear that voice of the enemy, don't you? I wouldn't do that. People are going to think less of you. They're going to judge you and condemn you. Don't you dare bring that to the light. You're the only one dealing with that, you know. That sin's really bad. Nobody else deals with that sin in the Christian world. Don't do that. You might lose something if you do that. Some, they're not going to be your friends anymore. They're not going to let you serve on that team anymore if you do that. You ever hear those voices? When, when, you're, when you're caught in a sin and God's trying to uh, move you towards doing this, of confessing your sin so that you can be healed, you hear that voice of, don't do that. Don't, and I'm telling you, it's straight from the pit of hell. And it's meant to keep you in hiding. And it's meant to be able to keep that darkness having the, its shadow over you. But I'm telling you, church, if you want to take away the, enemy, or the, the weapon of the enemy, bring it out into the light because his weapon is in the shadows. It's in the shadows. It's so powerful when we confess our sins one to another because the enemy doesn't have a hold on us anymore. He can't taunt us in the hiding. He can't... He can't kick us and, and tell us that we're, we're nothing and we're, we're less than and we're nobody because in the hiding, we'll believe it. And that's why we don't bring it to the light. And I, when, I, when I'm talking about confession, I'm not just saying, well, you know, well, you know, Kristen, I'm, nobody's perfect and neither am I. I'm not talking about that. You know, it's a cop out. It, it's a way to go around. What I'm talking about is, uh, Kristen, I just got done thinking this. I, I said this, I did this, I looked at this and I repent for that. And I want to bring it to the light so that I can have healing. Or Andy, you need to know that I've been struggling with this and, and fill in the blank. That's when you break the power of the devil over your life. Amen. That's when his power is broken. It's not, well, you know, I messed up and everyone messes up because that, that's really, you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to maneuver out of it. But I, I'm, what I'm saying is that a confession means I come straight at it. This is what I've been looking at. This is what I've been doing. This is what I've been thinking. And that's what breaks the power of the devil over your life. And here's the last part. And it goes with the number two. Make the choice to live in the light daily. The Bible talks about as, as the end times approach, that, that the days will get harder and darker. So for Christians, it's going to get more and more tempting for us to give in to that darkness, which means then I'm going to, I'm going to say a phrase that I hope it doesn't trigger religious stuff. Keep your confessions current where, where you, where you make it a daily choice of I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring my life to the light. And I'm going to let God heal those areas of my life. In John 3.20, Jesus said this, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they're doing what God wants. And then the apostle Paul said this in Ephesians 5.10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Do you see that? Run after the light. Step into the light. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. 
This is our choice that we have to make, church. Are we going to hide in the shadows? Or are we going to step out into the light and let God heal us? It's hard to shine light through our lives if we have darkness and we're tolerating darkness. It's hard to give wholeness and integrity if we first don't have this in of ourselves. God is moving in his church and we sang it. We sing it on Sunday morning. He's lighting up the darkness, which means he's lighting up our lives. And so we can choose to continue to hide from it or we can choose to step into it and say, you're lighting up the darkness. And if there's any darkness in my life, I'm gonna step right into it, confess it, believing that my loving God who loves me so much is gonna forgive me, believing that those loving Christians around me love me so much that they're gonna have compassion on me when I share uh, what's going on in my life. It's gonna take some humility. God's not trying to humiliate you but he's trying to bring wholeness and integrity to his people. God desires a holy and blameless bride. Come on, can I get an amen for that? He wants a holy and blameless bride. And when I say bride, I'm talking about body of believers. I'm talking about the church. He loves us too much to let us be destroyed by sin and to remain in hiding. I wanna read this scripture. It's one of my favorite Psalms. It's my go-to. And I, I read, or I uh, discovered this years ago and I just made this man, this is the kind of man I want to be. This is the kind of husband I want to be, father I want to be, pastor. And I, I don't necessarily say that I'm there yet, but this is my heart's cry. And I just want to read this to you. Psalm 101. I will sing of your love and justice, Lord. I will praise you with songs. I will be careful to live a blameless life. I will lead a life of integrity in my own home for my kids, for my wife. I will lead a life of integrity. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. God, we just repent right now. I repent for the vile and vulgar things that I have looked at that have stirred up things in me, in my flesh, God, we repent. Come on, church. You can just do that right now with the Lord. I repent for the things that I've looked at that have been vile and vulgar, that have not been integrity. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from every evil and darkness. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve with me. I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house and liars will not stay in my presence. And then this is it. This is the go. So I'm gonna come to my God, to my Jesus, to receive integrity and wholeness. And then there's the go. Listen to this verse eight. My daily task will be to fret, which means search, clear, and dig out the wicked and free the city of the Lord from their grip. Isn't this just a beautiful picture, church? If I wanna see God's kingdom come to our cities and I wanna see our cities lit up with more of God, more integrity in our government, in our businesses, in our schools. And we get so upset, don't we, when we don't see integrity in our government, in our schools, in our businesses. It makes us mad. 
and, and, and there's, there's a good part to that of that God's a God of justice. And, 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 but at the same time, it can't dwell in us. Otherwise it's hypocrisy. So may that be our prayer church, that we're going to let God come in and search us out to clear out anything in us that's not of him, to be able to have the darkness lit up so that we can walk into our communities and light it up by the very presence of God that lives in us and call our communities to higher grounds, to be able to have more of God's kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen, church. Come on. Will you come and let Jesus make you a person of integrity? And will you go and clear out the wicked and free the city? Let's pray here this morning. Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you for the blood. God, we thank you for that precious blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me pure again, whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that the power of the blood of Jesus would flow in this place, removing all guilt and shame and condemnation and fear and fear of the light. But God, give us a boldness to walk into the light. Give us a boldness to confess our sins to you, to confess our sins one to another so that we may be healed and free and pure, that we'd be your bride, blameless, spotless, because of the powerful blood of Jesus washing over our lives. God, thank you that you love us that much. And so Lord, I thank you that you are, you're already doing it. You're purifying your bride. And so Lord, we just surrender to you and we say yes and amen to that purification in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, can we make some noise for our God here this morning?